I always had this image of success being like once you got to a certain place, you could relax. You had it made, yeah. Yeah, you got, you, yeah. you'd be good. Yeah. And what I've found is that once you think you can relax, you better wake up. That's the clue for me to go, you got to work harder. I'm Jim Hessler, and this is Path Forward, Real Conversations About Leadership. In every episode, we're having real conversations with real people about real issues, about the journey, about the challenges, about the joys. One thing leaders believe is that no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the challenges, no matter how confusing or difficult things are, there's always a path forward. Leadership is a very creative process if you're doing it well. For the past 21 years, we've been teaching leadership primarily through the process of great conversations. This week, we're going to do something a little different. We're talking to someone I know very well and have known for a long time. I asked him to come on and share his story about hitting a brick wall and how he found a different path because it's so relatable and it'll happen to most of us at some point in our careers. Today, we're going to focus on the value of how we tell our success stories. And uh, as part of that, asking what is a success story? What does it really look like? And what does it feel like from the inside? It's, it's a different experience for each one of us. So I'm going to take off my coaching hat for a minute and just uh, share this story uh, with this uh, good friend of mine, Chris Grievous. Chris, welcome to Path Forward. Thanks for having me. You're in a really good place professionally now, and I definitely want to talk about that. But let's first go back to a point earlier in your career, right around the time that we met. We both went to this very kind of cockamamie advertising thing for some sort of professional services. And I remember we walked out of the building. This was in downtown Seattle. You were walking ahead of me, and I kind of caught up with you, and we kind of had a, what did you think of that kind of a conversation? And what I remember about that is, is kind of your body language, and you were kind of turned away from me a little bit, and you just, it, I, I could see you were a person of interest and substance. I knew that right away, but you seemed kind of defeated in that moment. And, and I just found myself being kind of curious about where you were. And I'll just say it, feeling a little sad after I met you the first time. Does that resonate at all with you? I remember having a really bad cold that day. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am reading all kinds of information. In it. I do remember being really disappointed with the event we went to. But what I remember most about that day was when we were walking out, we were talking about our businesses and how you get clients, and you said something that's really stuck with me that day. You said, I don't take clients where I have to explain what it is I do. <laughs> they either get it or they don't. Uh -huh. Don't. I'm not going to waste my time trying to sell the value of leadership development or growth. They either already value it, and I have something that they, they're looking for, or that's that. Yeah. I was at a stage in my career then when... I was consulting or trying to consult and had a really hard time trying to find clients. So that that kind of kind of helped. Yeah. And when I think about what I do now with organizational change and consulting around that, you go where the energy is. You're in a good place now. You're earning a, a good professional living. You went back and got your EDD. You're in your 50s. Mm -hmm. So this is something that kind of a, a light that 
that got burned under you a little bit later in life than maybe it does for a lot of people. And you've kind of found your footing and didn't have solid footing when I first met you. It was a tough time. It was a tough time on a lot of levels. So back in 2012, I got my book published. It's called The Innovative Team. Mm-hmm. Good book. Thank you. And Available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and from that, I got my stories published in Forbes, in Training Magazine, in Fast Company, a few other places. I did interviews for, you know, basically like a press junket kind of thing. Right. Got a lot of attention for it, thinking that this was going to be, enough. be yeah. yeah, this is, writing a book would be like a, a, doors would open. People would want to hire me to come in and talk about creativity and team building around creative styles, which is what the book was about, and didn't happen. All of that good stuff for my resume, the writing and the discussions that worked out was great, but it didn't lead to steady income. And so after about a year or so, I needed to make money for the family. So I ended up getting a couple jobs that were internal, doing leadership development, organizational assessments, and planning, some other things like that. And those went on for a few years, nothing that really blossomed Mm -hmm. yet. So then hanging up my shingle for a second time, that's about when I think we met. And the struggle was really about finding clients and about, you know, making that dream come true of, of having the book lead to further success. Yeah. And it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. So that was really where the, the struggle was. What was your worst moment? I mean, what was the hardest part of all that for you? The worst moment was probably with my kids, knowing that they're seeing their dad struggle. Mm. That was difficult. Wow. Because they were early teens, Mm-hmm. and kind of becoming aware of things just at that moment. And I think that was probably the hardest part of it. You know, I, I went through a major change in my life about 22 years ago when I started this business. And it's only after I started to have some level of success with it that I realized how important the support of my children had been. And they were roughly kind of 18 16. And I I realized how important their reaction was to what I was doing and how much I wanted to show up well for them. And I also remember from my own experience as a child, one of the things I always valued about my dad is my dad came home from work happy every day. Mm. And, you know, that I think of all the children whose parents come home who aren't happy and how that colors their opinion about work in general and how the idea that I had was that work could be fun because it must be because my dad always comes home happy Hmm. at the end of the day. So I appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of us worry about the impact that our professional lives are having on our family. And if we don't worry about it, we probably should. Hmm. With the kids, it's interesting. Both of them I mean, they saw me struggling financially as well, and they knew they knew that was going on in the house. And now they're both in college. One's about to graduate with a double major in finance and economics. So, and the other one's just starting his career in business. So, it seems like their takeaway from it was, well, we're going to do something that's going to help us make money because we know what it's like not to. So, from there, how did you turn things around? 
Yeah, I mean, what happened was that I got to a point where where I just needed to do something, and this would have, this was about five six years ago. I heard about a conference that there were a lot of people that I went for my master's degree were going to be there. And my master's is in creativity and innovation, and it was down in Oregon, and I live in Seattle. So I was like, well, I should. I should go do that. I haven't been to an academic conference in a long time. I think I'll just check it out. What yeah. the heck? So I drove down to Ashland, Oregon, and got there, and it was a beautiful summer day, and met, re-met all these people that I hadn't spoken with in a long time. Met some new people, had some really engaging conversations about creativity, innovation, about research, and about how you can apply this academic stuff to real life. And... It, it was just a turn on. And then on the way back home, <laughs> by the time I got to Salem, which was about two hours, I had decided, you know what? I realized that everybody I was talking to had a doctoral degree mm. and that I didn't. And I wanted to be around smart people like that. Mm. And it seemed like the degree was sort of your ticket in. It's, it's your, your, your key to that door. So if we take a lesson from that is if we want to get out of a, tough spot or a funk, engaging with other people is part of the process, even even yeah. when maybe we don't feel like it. Absolutely. Going to the conference was more or less a whim. I was like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know what's going to happen when right. I'm there. I'll, I think I'll just try it out. But the drive and the reflections on the drive were, I don't know, like, like you said, I'm in my 50s. This was my early 50s. I was thinking, how do I want to spend my time? You know, if I could do anything. And the fact is, spending my time talking with smart people is really fun. That is really fun. Yeah. So how, much, how can I do more of that? So you, you made an assessment that going back to school would be healthy and, and helpful for you. What happened next? I stewed about it for a while. I looked at all the different program options that were available. So I did a lot of research. I also talked to some people, professionals, about wh where they had gotten their degrees or what they would recommend. I did not was not able to move, so I had to go for a remote degree. That kind of limited options right there. You had to pay for it. And then they had to pay for it. And these things are not cheap. I discovered, I mean, the program I went through was very expensive, and it was kind of talking it over with my wife and about, well, are we ready for me to go into debt for this? And my answer to that was, yeah, because I, I really wanted to do it. And I thought that professionally it would help and would be able to pay it off. What ended up happening was at the same time of starting the degree, I interviewed at a company and they hired me and they have a tuition reimbursement program and I haven't had to pay anything for it. Oh, yeah. Because the, the corporation paid. So you should research that if you work, so, especially for a larger corporation. They're oh, often, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. If you can get tuition reimbursement. Yeah. I mean, even Starbucks offers that, right? So, yeah. So that made a great difference. So the, the fact that I was going for the degree helped me get the job. And then, you know. The job helped you get the degree. The job helped me get the degree. So you went back to school. You got your, your EDD. How much of the benefit you got from that comes from what you actually learned in the program as opposed to what you experienced as a person in the learning process? Does that, does that question even make sense? I mean, is the body of knowledge that you came out of that with what's made a big difference for you? Or is just like, hey, I did this. I feel 
I feel motivated. I feel sp- kind of launched forward in my career. The biggest difference the going back to school and getting a degree made is that it made me a better candidate for a job in that not because of the credential, but because they saw somebody in their 50s going back to school. Mm. I think that made more of a difference than, frankly, anything in the classes. Interesting. You went through your program in a cohort. Yes. Were you the oldest person in the cohort? No, I was not. We had a cohort of about 30 to 40 people, and I'm going to guess maybe 10 of us were over 50. Okay. Most people were in their 30s and 40s going through there. This was a program that was designed for professionals realize that you were doing a full-time job as well. Right, so, right. A lot of academic programs have made that adjustment over yeah. the years. So one little pushback I've got, and, and I always have to recognize that I have the kind of the opposite academic credential that you have. I don't even have a college degree, right? So the concern I have at times is I've seen people who are stuck in their career and they said, I need to go get an MBA. And they get the MBA and nothing changes. Mm-hmm. So I, I want people to be aware of that, too. It, it will help your resume, but it, it doesn't always work out the way it worked out for you because sometimes people think that their career isn't going the way they want it to because they don't have the advanced degree. And then they go get the degree, and they haven't solved some of the underlying problems they were having as a business person. Mm. I've had some interesting conversations with people where I said, okay, n- no problem. Go get an MBA. That's great. But let's talk about why you're not having the success you want and talk about, will that degree really change that? I still have the underlying problems that I had at the beginning of the degree. Right. <laughs> that is right. true. Okay. The point of getting the degree, though, was because I liked being around smart people. Right. It was fun. So yeah. I have a bigger network now, Yeah. you know, thanks to that. If I were to struggle again professionally, Got a lot more people to reach out to yep. now. What was really cool, though, about it, too, and when you think about the content of the program, was that I'd have a class about organizational accountability, for instance. The next day, I'm at work and seeing issues mm-hmm. with accountability everywhere. Yeah. And I'm able to take the theories and the the measures and the, the stuff that I was learning in class and immediately apply it. Because of the degree and the work that I was doing were so complementary, I think I became better professionally as a result of it. Well, again, another another important lesson. Don't learn anything as an adult that you can't put into action right away, right? And this is we focus on this in the workshop that you and I facilitated together. It's putting it into action right away. And if you if you're just learning it and it's in a book and you stick it on the bookshelf, it doesn't get used. So I love that. I love that you were able to take what you learned and go back to work the next day. I think that's there's a good lesson in that. Yeah. Having had this experience and knowing what you know now, how do we support somebody that we care about who's stuck professionally? I do have a friend who, he didn't go back to school, but he was struggling for a while with some undiagnosed depression and some some other challenges. And getting himself out the door and into a job and just taking those steps forward made a difference for him. And he ended up finding a career helping others in a, in a home for people with disabilities. He wasn't trained to do that. I mean, his degree is in criminology. So this was a completely new thing. But he found that helping others was really his calling. So if somebody's stuck, that's the, the advice I'd give them is to do something, you know? Open a book, go out the door. Yeah, there's so much power in that simple message. My wife would describe me as a pretty emotional guy, and I've had my 
moments of depression and things like that. And the, the worst thing that can happen is to stop moving. That's it. It's just to stop moving, right? And you didn't do that. You, you almost did. I did a couple times and got out of it. I think that most people are like that. I mean, to, being depressed or feeling like you're not going anywhere is pretty common. Mm-hmm. And I think it might even be more common than we want to admit for you know middle-aged men. Yeah, and I think that's true on a global scale. I think it's also true on a almost a kind of a daily scale, right? It, it, like if you're not feeling so great when you get up in the morning, get to work. I mean, I, I, that sounds like a very kind of – you know, Protestant work ethic-y thing for me to say, but I think there's some real psychology behind it. There's something to be said also for kind of mixing things up a little bit. From a creativity standpoint, you know, we are always looking for new ways to use things or to do things differently. The other day, I didn't really want to take my dog for a walk. I walked on the other side of the street that I normally do. Okay. <laughs> and after about two blocks, I'm like noticing the view is very different. <laughs> and that this is kind of cool. I ended up walking for, you know, 20 more minutes than I thought I was going to because I just decided, hey, I'm going to just walk in a different place. Yeah. And it's it just enough to stir those brain cells around. I know, you know, of course, I've run into a, any number of people over the years that are, that are stuck. And this getting stuck tends to lead to getting stucker and stucker and stucker. Is that a word, stucker? I don't know if it is, but it augurs in on itself. You stop moving forward and then it just inertia. What are the lessons here? Trying something new, trying doing the thing you have to do in a different way is, is really helpful. Looking at the problem or the situation from a different lens. Like if I continued to look at it from a, oh, how am I going to get more consulting clients? That would be the same path that I was going on for years and it wasn't working out well. Instead, I approached it from, how do I want to spend my time? I want to spend my time talking with cool people. How can I be around those cool people more often? Mm-hmm. Well, my, my answer to that was to go back to school. My friend was stuck in his own malaise and trying to find work. He ended up going into something that he didn't know anything really about, but it was that action, that step moving forward, that made a difference. And then it was just finding some, some joy in the new work. Some people get stuck in an industry, too. Like, there's a lot of people in aerospace in the Seattle area right. who've been in the aerospace industry forever. And they can't imagine themselves outside of the aerospace industry. Mm-hmm. And I found myself lately encouraging any number of them to consider something completely different. It's not the only industry around. And I think people get stuck on that and they think that that's all they can do. And they don't realize that a lot of your skills in life are transferable. I mean, I had to learn that because I didn't develop any specific skills at all. You have no transferable skills? I don't, really, I studied <laughs> classical music in college, for God's sake. How do you make a living out of that? And and I had to work because I got, I got married very young. I was 20. My wife was 19. Thank God we're still married 46 years later. But I had to work. I didn't want to. I wanted to keep going to college. I found out very quickly. You talk about creativity as, you know, you kind of feel the study for you. If you want to be creative – You'll find a way to be creative in any situation that you find yourself in. The example I would use is I got a job working a graveyard shift in a warehouse in Compton, California. That was when I first got married. That's what I was doing for a living. And I I decided to get creative about it. It's not what I wanted to be doing, but I decided to just take it and run with it. And within a few months, I was running the place. And But I couldn't 
get myself into a hangdog like, oh, God, I'm working graveyard shift at a warehouse. I had to say, okay, well, how's, how's my best version of myself going to show up here? And that was a very transformative event early in my career because I realized I didn't have to wait for the perfect circumstance to present itself to me that whatever circumstance I was in, I could do something interesting with it. So in a way, you were also stuck. You were stuck in this graveyard job, but your choice there was to say, well, you know, how can I play with this? Yeah, I think I could have gotten stuck. I could have felt sorry for myself, and, and I didn't. And that brings up another, another question is, I would assume your confidence was shaken to some degree. Oh, sure. Right? Sure. So how do we, how do we get confident, right? I mean, it is a question that's come up a hundred times with me during the 21 years I've been doing the leadership development work. You know, how do I gain confidence? And I think that's part of this conversation too because you had to gain confidence. You'd lost some of your confidence. Oh, I did, yeah. How did that happen? How did I lose the confidence? How did you get it back? You could have gotten 50 people to line up one by one and tell you how great you were, and that probably wouldn't have helped at all. No, I wouldn't have helped at all. So the way I lost confidence was not doing the work that I wanted to do. So I didn't have the clients. I didn't have the opportunity to shine. I knew I was good at teaching, that I was good at facilitating groups. I was good at assessing data and presenting it back. I had no opportunity to actually do that because there was just no work for over a year. Mm-hmm. I got it back because I got the opportunity to, to run a leadership program. <laughs> for my company. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you did a great job. <laughs> and, well, but you remember, uh, now this is the, the, this is the part where uh, it's easier to interview somebody you don't know, yeah. right? Yeah. So the story I'll tell is that we had just started to work together. You had given me, the, me this opportunity to, to come into the cohort that mm-hmm. you were taking through this leadership program. And you said, hey, why don't you lead this next one? Mm. And I remember at the time, I was very nervous. I hadn't done that in a couple of years at that point. Yeah. And I had to kind of shake the dust off and go into the room. And what I did was I prepared. I made sure that I knew the content well, that I walked in aware of my energy that I was bringing into the room and tried to be as well, full of energy as I could be, really listen to people in the process because that's, I mean, that's really the key for running any sort of leadership development is we got to meet people where they are. So you better be listening to find out yeah. where are they? <laughs> so anyway, I, the, that opportunity to go in and shake the cobwebs off and to really be focused on it, I walked out that afternoon feeling really good, mm. feeling like I remembered where I came from and that I knew I could do it and I didn't have any trouble with the confidence after that point. It just started to build on itself. Well, I think another thing that I think is germane to your situation is that you were you, you were trying to be self-employed right. at that moment. Now you have a, a nice, stable corporate job. Right. And um, Huge relief. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've had this conversation with people. I, this is, a lot of people listening to this podcast right now are thinking, gee, I'd sure like to have my own business. I usually recommend against it, by the way, even though I've had a successful business for 21 years. I usually tell people not to do it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't I'm, know if I'm trying to eliminate competition or what I'm doing, but I just there's so many ways it can go dreadfully wrong. I have found myself doing the same thing, but yeah. that's because I've I tried it and it went dreadfully wrong. Yeah, 
I mean, if you are the type of person who wants to live your work, which I've seen you do, actually. Yeah, from time you to know, time. You know, where yep. you really are and in, in, you're up in the morning, you're writing the chapter, you're, you're doing the blog post, you're calling the client, and then pretty soon it's 5, 6 o'clock at night and you're mm-hmm. still going. Yeah, well, and then you're thinking about it at 3 o'clock in the and, morning. And too, then right. It, right. <laughs> and you're thinking about that client conversation and what went well and what didn't. And then that one thing that didn't is what's keeping you yeah. up. On the other side of that, I think some people get unstuck by fleeing corporate America and starting their own business. I think it could work the opposite way as well. The biggest problem is with starting your own business is you 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 put too much emphasis on the quality of your product or service and you don't realize that has almost nothing to do with your success. I mean, and not almost nothing, but I mean, there's a whole lot of people out there that are really, really good at what they do that can't make a living doing it on their own. So when you say that you become really, really focused on the quality of the product, here's how I relate to that. When I was studying creativity, you learn about creative problem solving as a process and the the stages of it, the tools involved and Mm -hmm. divergent, convergent thinking. It's really exciting stuff. So I'm just excited to use this tool. I have the best process and the best tool to help you solve problems. Isn't that the greatest thing? I tell that to a client and they don't care. They don't care one bit about my process, my my research and, you know, divergent, convergent thinking. They don't care about it one bit. They have their work to do, and they're going to do it, and who needs your great product? For anybody that's thinking about starting their own business, I would start by reading a book called The E-Myth. The Entrepreneur Myth is what the E stands for. And then he, he rewrote the book 20 years after the first edition called The E-Myth Revisited. He uses the story of like a person that opens a shop and sells pies, right? Because they, they just think their pies are so good. And, and they are really good pies, but nobody buys them. And they didn't realize that just putting a good product out isn't enough. There's a whole bunch of marketing and logistics and finances and stuff that, that go along. And unless your product can be differentiated against the other product, it doesn't it doesn't matter. And consulting, it's a lot about relationship building. Too. Yeah. And walking in, t- telling people about my great process wasn't working out at all. But if instead, what I do in- internally now is I will f- listen for the need and then say, this is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing you're struggling with X, Y, or Z. Have you thought about this? And then ask questions using my tool without ever showing that it's a tool. And I think if if I've had an advantage over the past 21 years in running my own business, it's is that I'm fairly oblivious to rejection, I guess. I don't interpret when people don't want to buy what I'm selling. I don't see it as a personal thing. And I think that a lot of people get hung up on that as well. So where do you feel that you're at right now? Do you feel like you've arrived at all or you've reached a destination or this is still part of a longer journey? The thing that makes me, that made me a little nervous about this conversation when you presented it to me was that underlying it, you were in a bad place, now you're in a better place. Okay, I can accept that. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like the struggle, if you will, is over. Honestly, the rug can be pulled out from under you just like that. And it's, it's happened to me before. So I'm Mm. I'm not thinking that um, I'm not in the winner's circle, you know? I'm not, I have, I'm not done with the race. <laughs> Boy, there's a lot there. I, I think when you're in a tough spot, there's a lot of fear in that. And then even when you get to a, a better place, some of that fear is kind of hanging around. 
there, isn't it? You, you still feel that way sometimes? Absolutely. Like things might go horribly wrong. I'm constantly aware that in any moment, things can go horribly wrong. What that does is it makes me hyper aware of doing the work well mm -hmm. and to not take it for granted at all. Mm -hmm. When I think back at those times when right prior to struggling or right prior to maybe changing jobs, what got me in trouble was that feeling of complacency, thinking I, I was in a good place, I didn't need to worry about that it. That you had arrived. Yeah, yeah. That, I, that it was, everything is cool, no worries. Yeah, no, that's not the way, it, it took a long time for me to learn that, that it's not the way life works. You gotta, you gotta show up and you gotta be present and you gotta really try. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I tend to think of your situation as, you know, like you're in the you're in the clearing now. You've come through the dark forest and you've arrived at the clearing and you're telling me that there's some of this still feels like you're a little bit in the forest. There are days when I don't want to go to work, you know, like anyone. There's days when I feel like maybe the work I did that day wasn't particularly, you know, impactful. That's a sign that the next day I better make sure it's impactful. That I got to put I got to double the effort. Well, that's very true when you run your own business too, right? Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> I can't mill in a client engagement. I can't, I can't do less than my best work for a client really ever because there's always that fear yeah. of not only losing that client but, but l losing a reputation, right? Not getting the next client. Yeah, I, you know, I think there is a certain amount of paranoia that drives any level of success. I don't know if, that, if you'd choose a different word than that, but I, I think – I don't know. Yeah, it, it, I, you're, the balance is right for being gr gratitude for what you have, but also having some level of fear or uncertainty about it continuing. We have to hold both of those. Yeah, things. and and yeah. for me, it was all, I always had this image of success being like once you got to a certain place, you could relax. You had it made. Yeah, yeah, you get you, yeah. you'd be good. Yeah, and what I found is that once you think you can relax, you better wake up. That's the clue for me to go, you got to work harder. What's what's in your future? Where do you head from here? And and what are you going to teach your kids about all this that you went through? To what I'm hoping is that the kids have seen me come out of the hole, if you will, and they've seen me dedicate myself to this doctoral program. They've seen the graduation. Uh, hopefully, they can see that there's an opportunity for them if they're feeling down or yeah. if they're feeling stuck to to get out of it. As far as next to me for career, I, I don't know. I kind of like to be a professor. I, yeah. li I like the yeah. teaching. I like being a student. So why not be on the other end of the podium? Yeah. Well, I wish that for you. I hope that happens. Dr. Chris Grievous, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. You've been very open and, and uh, generous with sharing your story. Thanks for having me, Jim. Love talking to you. Thanks. Likewise. I'd like to be one of those... Uh, rah-rah uh, guys that, that says, you know, your, your, your journey's never over. It's never too late to start, you know, all those kind of things. But, you know, there really is some truth to it. Uh, in our society, we're, we're kind of extending people like me who are past retirement age even are, are thinking about new starts and new beginnings and letting go of the past and, and saying goodbye to old things. Chris's story was you know, really resonant with me because – it would have been easy for him to feel defeated by this this big speed bump that he kind of hit uh, it you know well into his career he didn't give up he uh, he picked himself up he went back to school and he still saw himself as a vibrant 
and youthful energy in, in the world had still had something to offer that hadn't yet been realized. And so wherever you are in your career, if, if you feel like you're stuck, start over again if you need to. We all live longer these days. We have a lot of years to look forward to, and we don't want to have to look back on our lives and say, I got stuck and I stayed stuck and I'm still stuck. Um, get unstuck. There's ways to do it. Well, thank you for listening to Path Forward, Real Conversations About Leadership. If you enjoyed this episode, really appreciate it if you let us know. You can rate and review the show on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Special thanks to all my guests for the level of vulnerability they took in sharing their stories. If you'd like to be a guest on Path Forward, please reach out via the contact form on my website, pathforwardleadership.com. That's also where you can learn more about our show, my upcoming book, and my leadership services. This episode is produced by Large Media. You can find them at larjmedia.com. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Jim Hessler, and this is Path Forward.